supernatural redemption, Margie's story. And supernatural redemption, God's story, your story. That's our series that we're working on through the Chronological Bible story. And last week we read five minutes a day in chapter 20. This week, chapter 21 coming up. And the redemption story that we are looking at today from our reading last, uh, last week is the story of Esther. What a redemption story, right? God's people. Great story of uh, an intended plan for genocide, totally foiled by God. You know, the book of Esther is the only book in the whole Bible that doesn't refer to the name of God. You know why that is? Because God is in every word in the story. He permeates everything, every part of the story. We are looking at Esther chapter 4, verse 13 and following today. Esther 4, verse 13 and following. The title of the talk today is Expressing Kingdom Blessing to God's People. Expressing Kingdom Blessing to God's People, particularly God's People. The stars of, this, of the story, the villain is Haman, and the, the major star is Esther. Then, then Mordecai, her older cousin, plays a significant part in the redemption story in Esther. And King Xerxes is another major player. But God is a singular player that's involved in all of it, permeates everything. Well, Haman was an Amalekite who had an ancient feud with the Jews, Israel. And he hated them. He particularly hated a Jew by the name of Mordecai who sat at the city gate. Maybe he was retired. That's how he spent his retirement. I don't know. I'm thinking about he paid him to sit at the city gate. But, but everyone showed Haman honor. The king, had, uh, uh, King Xerxes, had lifted him up to a high-ranking official. Everyone would bow down when he passed by, but... Not Mordecai, he only bowed down to God. And Haman hated him for it. He hated all the Jews. In fact, he developed a plan that he presented to King Xerxes. And that plan was on a, to roll the dice, roll the Purim. And um, whatever day that was chosen by the roll of the dice, on that day, anyone throughout the more than 127 provinces of Persia could kill their Jewish neighbors and take all their cars and motorcycles and fishing boats and houses and everything they needed, everything they wanted. And King Xerxes went along with it. He was not a very smart politician or person, but he went along with it. They established it, and Mordecai found out about it. And... Mordecai went to Queen Esther and said, hey, you're the only one right now that I know of that can help us. But if, God, if you don't step up and do this, God's going to send somebody else. But God's intention, Esther, is for you to do this. Now, Mordecai had raised Ruth. Her parents had died when she was a child, and he had raised her. Sorry, Ruth. <laughs> Esther, yeah. Thank you, Brenda. Always got me back, don't you? 
<laughs> okay. And he had raised Esther, and she, through a series of circumstances, had found herself being the queen of Persia. You'll remember that the uh, northern ten tribes were taken into captivity by Assyria, and then Babylon had wiped out Assyria and had become the dominant political power. And then they took the southern kingdom of Judah into captivity to Babylon. And then Persia came along and wiped out Babylon. And now they're the dominant power. Last week, we talked about uh, Cyrus and Darius, two kings of Persia. Well, after Cyrus, then Darius, there was Xerxes as king. And he didn't he wasn't really paying attention to, to recent history because he didn't even, even really even know who the Jews were. He didn't realize that Cyrus had sent 50,000 of them back to establish Jerusalem, build the temple. We talked about that last time. He just was, didn't have clue one. He should have been reading his recent histories. He should have been reading about the Declaration of Independence, Constitution, all the stuff that made Persia who they were. But he didn't. He was kind of a selfish king. He... Uh, like to throw parties. I think he was probably pretty overweight as many parties as he threw and banquets that he threw. Well, one time he lav had a lavish party of seven days of eating and drinking for everybody in the city, in the, um, in the capital city. And on the last day, probably was a little intoxicated, he said, bring... Uh, Bring Vashti, my wife, in, wearing her crown, and she's so pretty. We want everybody to see what a pretty, pretty wife I have, pretty queen I have. And you know what? Vashti was tired of her husband <laughs> bossing her around, I guess, because she wouldn't come. My theory is that the fact that she herself was throwing a party for the ladies of the city might have been a little bit intoxicated herself or majorly intoxicated. And people often make bad decisions when they're intoxicated because she wouldn't come and it could have cost her her life. She actually was just banished from being a queen. Um, but uh, Xerxes decided, you know what, I'm going to, in order to sort of fix this problem of, of uh, Queen Vashti, um, I am going to stop her influence because she might influence all the uh, all the wives throughout my kingdom to be disobedient to their husbands so i'm going to fix this by executive order every wife went to this executive order must submit to her husband that was the royal decree nothing about the husband's earning respect or sowing into the marriage just wives shape it up this is your duty and I'm sure that didn't go over that well with all the wives of the kingdom, but that was the order. He also banished his uh, wife, Ashtai, and had a beauty contest to see who would be the new queen. And Esther, I don't think she probably wanted to be the new queen. It's like, oh, God, don't let me win this contest. But she did win. She uh, was very beautiful. And her personality won the day, as far as the king was concerned. She became the, uh, the queen. And Mordecai went to her and said, on this day, all, your, all God's people are going to be destroyed. And God's overseeing all this because he knows he loves God, his people, but he also knows that 
that Jesus, the Messiah, is going to be coming through the Jewish people and going to be born a Jew. And we can't, he's in, he is um, all through history has been with his people and, and he is part and parcel of the great redemption that happens in this story of Esther and her uh, ministry to the people of God. So with that introduction, our first talking point is we express kingdom of heaven blessing to God's people out of a threefold partnership with God. Last time we talked about the reality that our singular purpose in life is to live for the praise of God's glory, to live a life of devotion to Jesus, God the Son, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, to live our lives, our work, our joy, everything with reference to God, to live for his praise and, and to praise him with our mouth, to exalt him in the together experience of church life. We live for loving God and we are not going to abandon, ever abandon our first love for Jesus. He is our supreme purpose in life. But we also have a identity and a calling to live with reference to expanding the kingdom of heaven to help other people get saved, doing our part for that. But the third calling that we have as people of God is to bless each other, bless others in Christ. That's our job as well. Let's see what Esther, what happens with Esther in chapter four, verse 13. After Mordecai told them See, what happened is um, Mordecai sent some, uh, some friends to Esther to tell her the problem, and Esther responds. Mordecai told them to, uh, sorry, Esther responds, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can bring this request to the king to deliver the Jews because I haven't seen the king, even seen him for 30 days, and... If he doesn't extend his scepter to me, when I enter his presence, that means I, I'm executed. So I'm not sure I want to do this. And let's find out what happens. Mordecai told them to answer Esther, do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, but your and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Famous line. Who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And there's a double meaning there. The first meaning is who knows, but, but that you've come to be the queen of the kingdom of Persia for such a time as this to rescue, rescue God's people. But also the double meaning is spiritually in the kingdom of heaven. She was called out of God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, to be a blessing to God's blood-bought ones, God's people. Well, Esther says she'll step up and give it her best shot. And so she does focus on doing her best to try to rescue God's people. And we see that as the story continues. But I want you to know that this sentiment of caring as one of our three life purposes, worship God, do something uh, with regard to uh, Advancing the kingdom of God in our, in our culture, in our world, but also being a blessing to God's people. We see this in the Apostle Paul's sentiments 
in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 10, where Paul writes, I endure all things. I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Now, salvation, the Greek word is soteria. It doesn't mean just getting to heaven when we die or when Christ comes back. But soteria also means deliverance. It means redemption. It means health, physical and emotional and spiritual health. It means the abund- all the supernatural abundant life that Jesus promises us. This is what salvation is with eternal glory. God's intention is that we experience his glory, a taste of his glory now through the Holy Spirit. Living in the presence of our future glory, we can experience through the Holy Spirit the glory of God mystically as we seek him and live for him and love him. And this is what Paul wanted to do with, um, in serving God's people, God's elect. John Wimber was very influential, continues to be in, the, in, in terms of his memory and his teaching, his influence in healing in the church today. He's in heaven now, but he has a pretty cool uh, testimony. I thought I'd read part of it to you. John Wimber ended up coming to Christ at a Bible study where a friend of his started the Bible study with seven people for the sole purpose of trying to win John Wimber to Christ. And it worked. And John Wimber himself then became a very effective leader and the Vineyard Movement ended up with, what, uh, 2,400 churches in 90 countries. Powerful healing emphasis that continues to influence healing and stirs up faith for healing in our day. Well, John Wimber writes, As a new convert, I began continually sharing my faith with people in Orange County, California. From watching my mentor, Gunnar Payne, skillfully answer questions from Scripture, I soon could give all the answers Gunnar gave and tell all the stories he told. I simply mimicked his behavior and attitude. Gunnar also discipled me in church life. Gunnar also discipled me in church life, church life. (laughs) He was not only active throughout the week in winning people to Christ, sometimes as many as seven nights a week, but he was active in the church. Gunnar's example taught me a great deal concerning love for the church. And this final quote. So from the outset of my Christian walk, I made three commitments. First to Christ, second to his church, and third to his cause. The reconciliation of men and women to himself. Three life purposes. I want to focus then on, on partnering with God to, like Esther did. She partnered with God to bless the people of God that were going to be in trouble. She helped deliver them, save them, bring them to health, bring them to um, abundant life, protecting them from their enemy. That can be done creatively in all kinds of ways. John Schmidt coming up and praying the Holy Spirit onto us was a blessing to the church, blessing to you at home. C.S. Lewis 
wrote the Chronicles of Narnia, an allegory about Jesus. And you know, he had a habit of spending a couple hours every single morning New Mike. <laughs> every single morning, personally answering every single child that wrote him a letter, writing back. That was his way of blessing children that, that, and stirring up faith in Jesus and kids. Last week, our focus is always on power evangelism, trying to win souls, but we run into so many blood-bought ones out there, people that with a smile on their face, I've accepted Jesus, I love Jesus with all my heart. And we end up prophesying and praying for healing and praying prayers of blessing on so many Christians when we're out doing our, our soul winning. In addition to winning people to Christ, it's a, it's a blessing to prophesy over. And last week there was at least four young people that when the team was prophesying over them, started crying, started tearing up because of the anointing of the Holy Spirit that was present and the secrets of their heart being laid bare and the love of God pouring into their, to the knowledge of their innermost dreams and hopes and personhood. Beautiful dynamic happened with that. So the idea is God guides each one of us in our own unique fashion, in our own unique way to lead us as he did Esther in a unique way to be a blessing to his church, his blood-bought ones, his people. Talked with a young lady recently who said that she and a friend in Portland talk on the phone quite a bit, and they decided together, Portland and in Medford. Uh, this young lady goes to our Saturday night service but because her husband works on Sunday, but Sunday morning... She and her friend have plans of, of joining us through the live stream. Maybe even this morning you guys are watching. God bless you in Portland. <laughs> and in Medford, they, they, uh, they, they linked together and, and decided to watch together. And this is a mutual stirring up of faith and encouragement and inspiration with each other. It's a focus on the blood-bought ones, the church, out of a threefold calling. Now, do you realize that God has a supernatural destiny for you, supernatural plan, a desire for you to find ultimate fulfillment and satisfaction, like Margie Daly expressed, a sense of completeness in her soul, innermost soul, with God, a purpose, a purpose in life to embrace the cause of Christ, and a purpose to be a inspiration, encouragement to uplift and bless and serve, strengthen God's family, the blood-bought ones. The place to start is to receive Jesus as your Savior if you haven't done that. We're going to give you a chance at the end of this talk to, to have that experience. Be ready for that. So, expressing the kingdom of God to God's people through a threefold partnership with God to worship Him, bless God's people, bless the world with, a, with an evangelistic expression as well. But secondly, we express kingdom of heaven blessing to God's people out of a strong inner security and personal autonomy. Esther 4, verse 15, Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, 
as we continue, as we will continue through this whole uh, passage. Hey, go and gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise, and so I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. I want you to know that Esther was, Esther was secure in God. She, 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 wasn't, she wasn't messed up by the disappointments in her life, and she had major ones. She lost her, both her parents as a child. She was an orphan. That's a major loss, but she didn't wallow in self-pity. I'm sure she had marriage hopes, family, and instead she ended up being married to the king who was so broken as a person that Esther feared for her life as, her, as a wife to the king for even showing up in his presence. What abuse. She was not even allowed to talk to her cousin directly. Had to talk to her cousin through servants. And she had a husband who gave executive order for wives to submit to their husbands with no reference to a husband's earning that respect. He was a lousy communicator. And Queen Vashti was totally frustrated and that's why she lost her position because she finally just said, I've had enough. In the book on marriage, His Needs, Her Needs, very famous book, um, one of the, well, the top need for a woman, for a wife, is meaningful communication, is expressed there by Tim LaHaye. Meaningful communication, and King Xerxes was lousy at that. I heard a story about a husband who said, my wife is always complaining about my two great faults. One is I never listen, and I don't remember the other one. <laughs> well, in the midst of this loss that Esther experienced, she was a bright star against the dark night of her, of her sadnesses and disappointments. Her name means star. And Jesus refers to himself as the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. And Esther shone with the experience of God in her, very much like Jesus, in anticipation of Jesus and all his glory. What's your disappointment? A marriage disappointment? I urge you, if you have trouble in your marriage, get counseling because counselors can be awesome to help out. A child in unbelief? A medical report? Financial loss, political loss, depression. God wants you to know that you can have inner autonomy with reference to him. Inner security. So that you give no one else the power for your personal joy. No one should be able to make you mad. And no one should, should be able to make you, be fully responsible to make you happy. Not their job, anyone's job, to make you happy. It's your job with God to choose happy. It's my job to have autonomy, to have, no matter what disappointment we may have had in life, we, we pull back, retreat into a great strength and might like Esther did. 
6.3. Not only do we have a threefold partnership with God to express blessing to his people, but we also have an inner security and personal autonomy. And the third thing, we address, we express, sorry, we express kingdom of heaven blessing to God's people out of an alertness to miracles of circumstance. God is in all the circumstance, all the divine appointments that fit together. It all seems random when you read the book, but the point is God's behind and involved in it all. Romans 8.28 is still in the Bible for your life. He's working everything together for your good and mine. All the circumstances set Esther up to help the Jews. Her beauty, married to the king, cousin to a, a, a great spiritual leader, Mordecai, who mentored her. We see throughout the story of Esther other examples of circumstances that God is actually behind. King Xerxes insomnia one night. Wakes up, got to do some light reading. Try to get me back to sleep. My life is so boring, I'm going to read my own personal history to try to get back to sleep. Xerxes does. And in so doing, he runs into this, a recent story of Mordecai, the Jew, who foiled a plot to assassinate King Xerxes. And he asked someone nearby, what have we ever done for Mordecai to say thank you? Nothing. Well, we've got to do something. Who's that in the outer court? Well, that's Haman. Haman was coming in to say, hey, I can't wait to to see Mordecai killed when we kill all the Jews later. I want to hang him on a pole in my backyard, 75 feet high, right now. I'm going to ask the king if I can do that. So Haman comes in, and King Xerxes says, Haman, what should I do for the person the king that would, would delight to honor? And Haman says, who but me would like the king like to delight to honor? Well, give, give the person the king would delight to honor a royal robe. And let him wear a, let him ride a horse um, with the royal crest on the horse, and let someone go before him shouting through the crowds of the people of, of Susa. This is what we do for the one the king delights to honor. And Haman says, "That's what I'd like." I, in his mind, I, I I think that would be awesome. I'm looking forward to that. He's thinking, and and uh, Xerxes says, "Do that for Mordecai." <laughs> and you be the one that goes before the horse. Oh, talk about a bad day. Let's read it. Uh, let's read what happened um, with uh, Esther when, when uh, she responds and gives it her best shot to try to save the Jews, going before the king. Now it happened on the third day. I think that's significant. Every time I see something cool happening on the third day, I think it's anticipating the resurrection of Christ. And it, this, it's like it's saying it sort of just happened, but no, it's not a random coincidence or circumstance. God is permeating all this whole amazing redemption story. Now it happened on the third day that Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner courts of the king's palace across from the king's house while the king sat on his royal throne in the royal house, facing the entrance of the house. And so it was when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court that she found favor in his sight. 
And the king held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. Then Esther went near and touched the top of the scepter. And the king said to her, What do you wish, Queen Esther? What is your request? It shall be given to you up to half the kingdom. What a relief that was for Esther. Circumstances ordained by God. Miraculous miracles of circumstances continually in your life journey. God's bringing them to you. He's involved in the circumstances of your life. They're not random. They're certainly not because of luck, bad luck or good luck. God's involved in every, every bit of your life. Your times are in his hands, the Bible says. All of your life is coming to you through Jesus. He's sifting stuff out. He's allowing some stuff to happen. But it's all for your good, and it's all for the advancement of worship in your life, advancement of the kingdom in our world, and, and uh, your part in blessing his people, his church. Yesterday, we were uh, going to go out, Brenda and I and, and Maria were going, going to go out and for a couple hours and, and see what God would do out in the street, the soul winning. And I felt impressed that we were first just to go to an, a neighborhood around Delta Waters and talk to someone on the street there, just that might be out in their yard. So we went there, and there was a couple young people out there, talked to them, nothing happened. So I said, well, I know we're supposed to be here. Let's just knock, let's just knock randomly on this door. So we knocked on the door, and someone answered the door, who I knew from years past, and they're, they're born again, believer in Jesus, and we ministered them in a way that, that was just right for their need in their moment yesterday morning. This is God partnering with God in sort of a unique, interesting way for us to his people, not just for, for people that don't know him yet, not just pre-believers, but believers that need to be inspired and encouraged. Circumstances, miracles of circumstances. I'm just delighted with being a part of ministering to our city and our area, our region, through Channel 11 at 11. We had done, through the circumstances of the pandemic, a major upgrade in our YouTube presentation, our cameras and things like that, and giving it attention because we knew a lot of people would be joining from home. Within days of us Deciding and doing those upgrades, I was approached by Channel 11 uh, person to say, hey, would you like to be a part of a television ministry program on our secular channel? And prayed about it. We're ready. It was, it was circumstances working together. And over the last few months, there's been three businessmen that do not attend New Song Church that have said, we want to financially make this happen through your church, Channel 11 and 11. And so far, our general fund has not put one cent into that 720 to 800 and some dollars a month ministry. But it reaches 200 people watch every, every Sunday. And many of them are, are people that need to get right with God, and they are getting saved. But, but many of them are already believers that just need to be blessed and encouraged, inspired, and this is circumstances working together. Working together. So, let's stand up.
Watch out for circumstances. Recognize your mission in life. Worship God. Be part of a church that reaches out through prayer and through ministry, through your own divine appointments to pre-believers. Be ready to bless and minister to believers. Maintain a strong inner security and personal autonomy so you're not codependent with anybody for your own happiness and peace and joy. You minister out of strength, not out of need. And be alert to miraculous circumstances that God will bring into your life as you did Esther. And it all starts with Jesus Christ. And some of you right now are calling on Jesus to save you. He said, whoever calls on the name of the Lord Jesus shall be saved. When you do that, your spirit, which is dead, becomes born again. It becomes alive. God says, let there be light to you. Pray this after me right now. Dear Lord Jesus, I call upon you to save me. I confess you as my Lord. I believe God raised you from the dead. I am saved. I'm born again. I'm on my way to heaven because I have Jesus Christ in my heart. Now tell a friend, if you prayed that for the first time, tell a friend. Tell a friend that loves Jesus. They'll inspire you, encourage you, and disciple you to the Lord Jesus in your life. God, we thank you for the story, redemption story of Esther, your redemption in partnership with Esther. And we praise and thank you for the way you're blessing and encouraging your people through us, each one of us and our part. Hallelujah. What a life we have. What a joyous life we have being a blessing to your people. In Jesus Christ's name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day. Get it.